0: This is the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast, episode 35. Today I'm going to continue with our deep dive, close look at essential oil chemical families. Last week in episode 34, I talked about sesquiterpenes, sesquiterpenols, monoterpenes, monoterpenols, and the phenols. This week we're going to look at esters, aldehydes, ketones, oxides, and ethers. And finally, I will be sharing the therapeutic properties as well as safety issues associated with each of these families. You're listening to the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast with your host, Liz Fulcher. If you're interested in learning about essential oils, hearing interviews with industry experts, and discovering ways to grow your own aromatherapy business, this is the podcast for you. For more information and show notes, visit the website at aromaticwisdominstitute.com. Now, sit back, relax, take a deep breath, and enjoy as Liz shares a dose of aromatic wisdom. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast. My name is Liz Fulcher. I'm the host for this show and an all-round passionate person on all things aromatherapy, essential oils, hydrosols, carriers, you name it. I'm here to talk about it all. The last three episodes, I have talked about chemistry. And today is the fourth in that series and the last one. Not that I'll never talk about essential oil chemistry again, but one of my goals for 2018 is to do several Foundational podcasts about what is X, Y, and Z. The next three or four episodes are going to be all about safety. And I'm doing this throughout the year so that I have some foundational stuff, first of all, to refer back to. And also because my listeners are asking for it. And that's what I do. I mean, I will listen to you if you send me an email. Uh, if you contact me on social media, in particular on Facebook, and, and you say, I really want an episode on X, Y, or Z, I will do it. All right, let's just jump right back into the chemistry that we started last week. So in episode 34, I covered five chemical families, their properties, their benefits, their um, safety concerns. Very important with the families that I've got coming up. Some of the, Some of them have a couple really significant safety concerns. Okay, let us begin with a chemical family called the aldehydes. The essential oils that fall into the chemical family called the aldehydes are some of my favorite. One of the characteristics of essential oils in the aldehyde family is that they smell lemony. To give you an example of some essential oils in this family, you'll find lemongrass, a classic, very high in, um, well, it's very high in citral, which is the molecule that makes it smell lemony. So you've got, what did I say, lemongrass, melissa. You've got citronella, lemon eucalyptus, which would be eucalyptus citriadora. It smells to me a lot like citronella, very, very similar. There's an essential oil called litia cubeba, or actually that's the Latin name. The common name is mei chang. All those oils, if you line them up and sniff them, they all have a very similar aromatic profile and it's real lemony. And that is because they all contain a molecule called citral. So citral, which to me always kind of makes me think of citrus, even though it has nothing to do with citruses. Don't even go there with, because I don't want to confuse you. But the citral molecule, this specific component is really what gives the um, aldehyde essential oils, not only their aroma, but their... Therapeutic properties. One of the things that I, why I really like the aldehydes, they are powerful antifungal agents. So if you've got a topical skin issue, topical, what think of all the well, you've got toenail fungus is a real classic one, and skin fungus, which I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. Um, what's that round one? Ringworm, which is has nothing to do with worms. It's actually a skin fungus. All that type of skin fungal condition can really be quickly and easily addressed with the aldehyde essential oils. So that's the good news. On the other side of the good news, it's not really bad news, but this is the big safety issue with aldehydes. They're very irritating. I've mentioned uh, in other episodes, I don't even remember at this point which episode because I say it this, what I'm about to say, I say it often. Essential oils that have expired their shelf life can very easily become oxidized. Old oils are irritating oils. When an oil is oxidized, it can be irritating. The aldehyde essential oils are irritating even when they're brand new and fresh. And they only are good for about two years. So you can imagine if lemongrass essential oil is irritating even when it's beautiful and vibrant and fresh. Can you imagine if you've got Uh, lemongrass essential oil that is old and has been oxidized, which means oxygen has gotten into the molecule and damaged it. And, you know, then now it's irritating for the skin. So you want to be really careful and protect your aldehyde-rich essential oils from oxygen entering the bottle. Keep your bottles full. You don't want a lot of headspace up at the top. And you do want to keep your bottles in a cool place. You don't necessarily have to keep them in the fridge, but keep them in a dark, cool place, not lined up along the windowsill, not in your car, not in any place that gets really hot because that will further damage the molecules in the essential oil. So keep your caps on, keep them cool, keep them full. If you have a bottle that is half full and um you think you're not going to be using it for a little while, pour it into a smaller bottle and that's how you can keep it full because of this property of being um, a bit irritating to the skin and the mucous membranes i really recommend that you keep your doses your therapeutic blends to about a one percent dilution one percent would be five to six drops in one ounce try not to go higher than that see if you can start with one dilution first and if you get the results that you need that's perfect Uh, Depending on the person, if it's a child or someone who's compromised or older, you really want to be careful not to go higher than 1%. Uh, A little story about how I had a really effective blend for skin fungus using um, an aldehyde-rich essential oil. So a few years ago, a friend of mine contacted me and said, she had some sort of fungus on her back that she got every summer, and it was always worse um, <clears throat> after being in the sun. And it turns out it was something called tinea versicolor, and it's just that. It's just, it's a mild superficial fungal infection. It's something like ringworm, which, you know, results in these white patches, and people who are most susceptible to who who get this usually are more susceptible in the hot months and when it's really humid. <clears throat> and did I have anything or could I make something for her so she wouldn't have to go through another summer of white patches on her back? So I knew immediately that I wanted to use lemongrass because lemongrass is highly antifungal and it had worked for me before for fungal conditions. I also knew that because um, it can be irritating to the skin, I needed to add some skin-nourishing oils with it that were also antifungal. So I made her a blend at, hmm. I think it might have been at a 3% dilution, which means it was about 15 drops of, of total essential oil in one ounce. The carrier I used was organic aloe vera gel, and the oils that I used were lemongrass and palmarosa. Palmarosa is in the monoterpinal family. It is um, very skin nourishing. It also has some antifungal properties. The reason I used aloe vera gel as a carrier is because there's nothing fungus loves more than to be covered and occluded. And use a nice heavy body butter, shea butter over a fungus and you make it very happy so it can flourish and grow. What will kill fungus is air and light. So you want a really light, light, light carrier when you're trying to get rid of a fungal condition. I put this in a spray bottle and had her spray it on her back. It's a long time ago. I don't remember exactly, but I probably would have told her to spray her back two or three times a day. And we started in the spring, you know, it might have been around April so that when the sun really got hot here in Pennsylvania, and you know, summer came on. She really didn't have this problem anymore. And my word, within a month, she the fungus was gone. She was very diligent, had her husband spread it on her back every night. And to this day, it has never returned. By the way, just a nice little plug for my friends at PompeiiOrganics.com. That is where I, I purchase the essential oils I use in my classroom and in my personal and professional life. And so the lemongrass, Palmarosa, those are all available at Pompeyorganics.com. And the aloe vera gel is also where I get it. If you'd like to purchase aloe vera gel from the people at Pompeii Organics, when you go to check out online, put in the code PODCAST18. They'll know that you got that code from listening to my podcast, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's Pompeyorganics.com. and the code is PODCAST18. 18. All right. Next, I'm going to talk about the esters. I really love the ester essential oils. This is a such a great user-friendly family. It is, um, they, they tend to be very floral and fruity and smell good. Perfumers love the essential oils that are high in ester components. So just to name five or six essential oils to give you an example. So Bergamo is an ester. Um, when I say an ester, I mean an ester-rich oil. Of course, lavender, Roman chamomile, Lang Lang, uh, let's see, geranium, clary sage, jasmine. Uh, those are all really beautifully floral, good-smelling essential oils that don't have a whole lot of safety precautions. And that is a good thing because these, this group of oils, this family, is wonderful for... Spasms. So that would include muscle cramps, menstrual cramps, uh, anything where the tissue is drawn up and tight. It really does help to reduce the tension in the muscle and help it relax to relieve the, the spasm or the cramp. The other thing about the esters that is makes them very nice is they are very calming. So you've got sedative, antispasmodic, anti inflammatory. That's kind of their big the big things that they do. There are, um, as I said, not very many safety precautions with the esters. I wouldn't worry too much about dilution. I mean, with the aldehydes, keep it at 1% with the esters. You can definitely go higher. This group, um, these were really, this is a nice group for sleep. Uh, as I said, for spasms. So if someone's really tense and they're having a lot of cramping, um, Menstrual cramps, this, this group is really good, with the exception, I would say, of clary sage, because clary sage can sometimes make um, bring on a heavy period, or if a woman already has a heavy flow, it can make it worse. So I would avoid clary sage in case of menstrual stuff, like if it's if the flow is really heavy. If there's been a problem with that in the past, I would not use clary sage for menstrual cramps, but I would go with bergamot, Rowan chamomile. That is fabulous essential oil, uh, Chamomile nobile. It smells divine and it is um, highly antispasmodic and very, very relaxing. So, if people have muscle cramps um, combined with, you know, they're trying to sleep, pain, insomnia, Roman chamomile is delightful. The shelf life of um, essential oils that are rich in the ester components is about three to five years. I didn't mention with the aldehydes the shelf life is really only about 2 years. So don't don't hoard your aldehydes. You know, use them up and buy fresh. And um and then with the esters, as I said, 3 to 5 years is that shelf life. Okay, I've got three more chemical families to get through. Next, let's talk about the ketones. K E T O N E S. All right. The Essential oils that are high in ketones, they can be very stimulating for the central nervous system. They, they tend to have a smell that is kind of like camphoraceous. It's, it can be minty, um, minty, it can be minty, or it can be a bit like camphor. So, for example, if you've ever heard of the uh, lavender spike or spike lavender, Lavendula latifolia, that's a lavender essential oil that's high in camphor. And that would be in the ketone chemical family because camphor is a ketone molecule. Peppermint is another one; the menthone in it is what makes it a ketone. Rosemary, um, there's rosemary verbenone. There are three different ty- uh, chemotypes of rosemary verbenone: camphor and one-eight cineol. Um, even the one-eight cineol one, that would still be considered in the ketone family. The, this group is great for fighting like respiratory infections, so it's it's really good for um, lung conditions. I have, the next group I'm going to talk about is even better, but they're really, um, ketones are effective mucolytics, so and they also can be very good for pain. I did a blog post, my goodness, a long time ago, like 2012, and I talked about how I had a really severe case of bronchitis and I I'll put a link to the to the blog post in the show notes. I can't remember off the top of my head what the link is. I think if you google aromatic wisdom essential oils bronchitis, it'll come up for you. But I gave my very specific protocol that I used to help with my bronchitis. And one of the first group of essential oils that I used to address the 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 thick, um, yeah, I guess mucus that I had that was clogging up my lungs. I used the ketone rich essential oils. So they're really good for, you know, for lung stuff. They can help. They can also be good like with, with scars and wounds. Um, they can be very, very stimulating. I mean, stimulating as in keeping you awake at night. If someone is already prone to, you know, be restless at night. Do not add these oils to any sort of a nighttime blend, or you're, you know, they'll be up all night. So, uh, it it there are some dangerous ketone-rich molecules, but most essential oils that you'll find commonly in stores and online are pretty safe. You just want to watch. Um, for example, there is a component called thujone, uh, pulegone, which is in pennyroyal. Um, Thujone is in like sage and Thuja and mugwort. Those, a which is in hyssop, that can be neurotoxic and you can actually go into convulsions uh, from too much pinocampone or isopinocampone, really, really stimulating to the central nervous system, especially if someone has a seizure disorder. So the ketones aren't, you don't have to be afraid of the ketones, but this is why we study the chemistry to know which essential oils are safe and which ones are not. The shelf life of essential oils rich in ketone components is the same as esters, three to five years. So after about five years, if you're still holding on to those oils, use them up or get ready to clean with them. You don't want to use them on your skin anymore. All right. Now the next chemical family is one of my favorites, the oxides. You can always tell an oxide rich essential oil from like across the room because the smell is very strong of eucalyptus in fact eucalyptus is really high in um, oxides so is ravent Sarah episode 27 of this podcast I talked about ravent Sarah essential oil uh, rosemary again that spike lavender all the essential these essential oils um, not all of them but most of the essential oils in the oxide chemical family are pretty piercing. They're, they're, there's no question that when they're around because they're very strong smelling and very permeating. So as I said, the eucalyptus, uh, oils that smell like eucalyptus. The component that gives that characteristic eucalyptusy kind of smell, camphoraceous, is called cineol. And cineol really is your friend when it comes to cold and flu and decongesting and lungs and all that stuff. Oils that are high in this sinial. also can go by the name of 1,8 one 1,8 cineol. 8 it's really a powerful component for respi- any kind of respiratory illness. It is all those words that you want to hear when somebody's got the crud. It is, of course, antibacterial, but it is um, the, the oils high in 1,8 cineol are expectorant and mucolytic. Mucolytic means it thins the mucus so that you can expect it expectorate it out. It um, the one eight cineal rich oils we, they will also stimulate the glands of the respiratory system so you can get that crap out. They stimulate the mucus secreting cells. They activate the cilia, and it help it really helps to move all those that nasty blockage out of your respiratory system. The um, essential oils high in oxides tend to be. Uh, very stimulating to the brain. So that's a good thing, stimulating to the mental processes, increasing blood flow to your brain. So if you're studying, if you're trying to have focus, if you're trying to stay awake, the oxide essential oils are really good. Uh, I will say there's one essential oil in particular, German chamomile, which is high in an oxide that is not 1,8-cineol. So it does not apply. Oh, the things I just told you about um, like the... The mental processes and focus and sharpness does not apply to German chamomile, because it has a different type of molecule in it. But for the most part, the one cine oils they're they're great for you know inflammation, pain, uh, decreased coughing. They can help with shortness of breath. You do have to be careful. Uh, the safety precautions with this group of oils is for people with asthma, and it's it's a, it's a funny thing the oxide oils. They can really be very helpful if someone has asthma, or they can set off an attack. It truly does depend on the on the case by case, you know, case by case basis. Do not, however, use these essential oils, any of them, especially not eucalyptus globulus, with children under ten. It's actually quite dangerous for them. Um, I had a, I probably told this story in other podcasts, but I had a student whose daughter was about three, had a cold. The mother put the diffuser close to her face with eucalyptus in it. And the daughter, um, her, her, she went into epiglottal spasm and couldn't breathe. So the mother actually they ended up calling 911 and the ambulance took her off. So it is, these oils are not to be fooled around with with children. There are a lot of other oils that are much safer. You can go to my episode 24. So that would be aromaticwisdominstitute.com forward slash 024, where I talk all about aromatherapy for children. If you want to know which ones you can use and finally the shelf life for the essential oils high in oxides is about two to three years not terribly long so again use them up buy fresh and then finally we have one more chemical family that we're going to look at and that is the ethers this is a family i almost never use because it has so darn many safety precautions although i will use it for one specific thing the ethers are um, they they smell kind of licoricey in fact Fennel essential oil, anise or anise essential oil, uh, tarragon. That's not quite as licorice It's methyl which is a component that um, kind of gives it that licorice smell. They are really, really super antispasmodic. So if someone has a severe muscle spasm, I might pull out some fennel essential oil. There, there's a lot to, to be concerned about with this chemical family, in particular in pregnancy and with children. It can really affect the unborn child, and it's terrible for babies and children. So these are big guns for a big problem. I really do save the ethers for, in um, fennel in particular, for, you know, a, a serious muscle cramp or spasm. They do tend to be calming. You know, they can help reduce pain, as I said, those severe spasms. So you don't have to, again, I don't ever want you to be afraid of essential oils, but I would like you to respect them and respect their potency, respect the sustainability of the oils, and don't just use them undiluted all over the place. Don't be drinking them and putting them all over your skin because apart from that's an un- those are unsafe practices, we are going to run out of oils if we're not careful and responsible. Wow, I just stepped right up on my soapbox, didn't I? So again, I don't want you to be afraid of oils. Just respect their uh, what they can do for you and and the the safety concerns with our oils. That is ten chemical families. Hopefully, that was interesting and gave you a better understanding of essential oil chem uh, chemistry, essential oil chemical families, the properties, and that you have a better knowledge now about the safety and the properties of oils and how you can go forward and use them with even more understanding and empowerment. That is my purpose in teaching this via my podcast. All right, let's have a little fun. I think it's time for Smell My Life. Ah! I have a very unsexy Smell My Life for you this week. There is a corner of my garage. It's an external wall, and it can be damp from rain and things like that. From snow, it doesn't matter. If the wall gets wet, sometimes seepage comes in, and it doesn't smell great. So recently I decided to really dry it out and put two fans facing this one corner that gets damp and hit it really hard with the air. I returned about an hour later, and I could tell that it's functioning it's I, I could see that it was starting to get a little bit dry but the garage still smelled funky it had a mildewy kind of smell and i thought gosh i'm probably pushing these spores all over the place so i got a rag and i dampened it and i saturated a corner of it with cinnamon and clove essential oil which i thought this got to kill all kinds of smells and maybe reduce the spores and kill who knows whatever is making that bad smell and the garage smelled fabulous after that i still need to you know watch the dampness and as long as i maintain the dry um i don't think i mentioned what i did with the with the rag i stuffed it in the fan actually i had two rags and i stuffed them inside the the fan so that the the um air was blowing through the fan or through the rags and out into the air and then i also um dampened the rags and wiped the walls and sort of sprinkled it all over the area uh, around the corner where it was damp so you know there's more than one way to skin a cat that was how I dealt with my mildew smell I could have gotten vinegar and I could have gotten uh, bleach probably not bleach but there are probably a ton of other things I could have done but that's how I dealt with it and it was worked great to my satisfaction and that wraps it up for episode 35, Chemistry Deep Dive Part 2, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And again, if you would like to purchase essential oils or the aloe vera gel that I mentioned, or actually any carriers, all sorts of wonderful um, carriers, containers, diffusers, oils, and so forth from Pompeyorganics.com. make sure that you use the code PODCAST18 in the when you check out under the coupon code for 15% discount off your entire order. And I hope you join me next time for episode 36, where I will talk about phototoxic essential oils, how to use them safely. Until then, be happy, be well.